Hello, my name is Joe Hogan. Many of you know me as Epic Grays in various video games and social media. Welcome to episode 22 of Geekditude, a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. Today, I'm really excited to be joined by Kevin and Kelly from the WEC podcast, and very specifically, uh, the WEC Whovian podcast. Welcome, guys. Hi. Hi. How are you guys doing this morning? Good. It's early. <laughs> as, as <laughs> it is early. But uh, otherwise, awesome. Glad to be here. Cool. Yeah, I'm so excited that we finally get to uh, to talk and meet because uh, we've we've actually talked to each other through our podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and through Twitter and through email, and finally we get to hear our voices, you know, directly yeah. in a conversation. So that's cool. And it is really weird for me to hear your voice talking directly to me. Listening <laughs> to your podcast. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I was. I had mentioned a couple weeks ago that um, when I was on the the Girls Gone Wild podcast, I'm a part of my not jumping in was I was just kind of used to just sitting listening, just listening <laughs> to them having a conversation. I'm like, oh wait, I have to respond. Right. Yeah, you have to be the uh, the content provider in a way as a guest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, I'm 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 I need to contribute here. <laughs> Well, very cool. Well, I'm aware of a lot of the stuff you guys do, but let's make our uh, listeners a little bit more aware of who you are. Um, tell us a little about yourself. Uh, Kevin, why don't we start with you? Well, I am Kevin. I am uh, one of four co-hosts of WEC Podcast, and it's uh, myself and Kelly here, and our two friends and colleagues, Mandy and Katie, and uh, that podcast is a uh, just kind of like a general geek uh, plus podcast, I suppose. We've been branching out a little bit more into things like nutrition and travel. But uh, my my particular history with podcasting actually started two years ago when I did my own podcast. Uh, I was uh, doing one called Nerdalicious. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just me. Uh, somebody gave me their uh, their podcast to do because she was uh, she didn't have time to do it anymore. So she said, "Just go for it. Do whatever you want." And I remember doing a a review of all the 2015 movies, and um, so that's what I was doing in podcasting. And then Katie actually approached me to do the WEC podcast one, and it's been kind of uphill since then. So. Uh, but I've been a geek for, God, as long as I remember, science fiction, fantasy, anything. Uh, not as m- Video games, but not as much video games now, although uh, all the stuff that's happening now I still keep track of. So I just kind of absorb all of it. So I'm just kind of like an all-around geek. Very nice. Uh, Kelly, how about you? Okay, so uh, if you guys listen to WEC, I'm the one that overshares. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, have, this is the only podcast, uh, WEC and Wexuvians are the only podcasts I've ever done, but I've listened to podcasts, I think I first became aware of them like eight or nine years ago. Um, I had a friend who she was, uh, she introduced me to, I think Smodcast was the first one. I'm a big Kevin Smith fan, and I just, I love it. I, I have a job which is very much just computer work, so I can plug in and listen all day, every day. Uh, as far as, uh, I don't know, I'm, <laughs> it's hard to think of things about myself. Uh, I 
born and raised in Southern California. And the way I know Katie is Katie and I actually went to high school together. We were friends in high school, which is funny because on one of your earlier podcasts, you got you and uh, your guests were talking about how, you know, once you get out of high school, you don't have contact anymore. But, mm-hmm. but I'm one of those weird people who two of my closest friends, literally closest friends, I met in high school. I always envy that so much um, because most of my friends are are from college or, yeah, I think mostly from college. I only have two or three and they're, you know, um, I did theater with them. So I always consider them kind of my theater friends, not necessarily high school friends. And uh, my brother has uh, a group of friends, two of whom he's known since before he was in kindergarten. Oh, wow. Yikes. And I mean, just like for me, they're just like little brothers because they were at our house all the time and everything else. And I've always, you know, really envied people who could could make and establish those high school um, relationships and and carry them into adulthood. Because, you know, in my in my scope of of reality, that's just not something that happens as often. So that's that's very cool. Yeah, well, and I had a weird high school experience and we. uh, like the, we hang out with a clique and this clique were in all the AP classes. So we actually moved from like classroom to classroom together. Mm-hmm. And then we ate lunch together and uh, the group was primarily nerdy people and very religious people. So our idea of going on dates was going to play miniature golf and partying was watching movies and eating cake and ice cream. So <laughs> not your stereotypical high school experience anyway. Well, as a high school teacher, I think you'd find that that's actually a lot more typical <laughs> than, than 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 is put out there by the media. See, Kelly, you're not strange after all. Well, I'm strange. Oh, you're strange in, in, in other ways. <laughs> well, what, uh, Kelly, what are your areas of geekitude? What are the things that you uh, you kind of feel like you've got uh, high knowledge in in the realm of geek? TV, for sure. I watch way too much TV. I am in movies. I love anything weird, scary, or or uh, superhero-y. So if there's a TV show that's weird or scary, I'm watching it. Uh, horror movies, I'm not a. I wa- I go to some. I watch some. I'm not as into horror movies, but I do. I don't avoid them. I just don't search them out. But mm-hmm. uh, I do read some comics. And oh, and musical theater. I guess I should say is my other geek to two thing because I go to a lot of plays, a lot of musicals. I thought about you guys when I was at uh, Boldly Go last weekend, the Caltech Star Trek um, musical. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> it was phenomenal. It, it was one of those like little college projects that I saw on the Nerd Out app, and I was like, I I must see this and. Uh, <laughs> And I was like, I, there was, I know so many people who would love this. And unfortunately, we caught it the last weekend. So it was like, oh, I can't get the word out fast enough to get it. was They were sold out by the time we went. Is it a touring company? Because I might actually want to drive out and check that out. That sounds you right know, I my wish alley. It, I wish it was. It was a bunch of um, Caltech students and JPL, uh, people who work at JPL. Like, none of them were really professionals. Uh, I think there was one theater, musical theater major and he was one of the writers, and his brother went to Caltech, and so that's how it all happened. So it was like a pure passion project. <laughs> it was a pure passion project, I love and because that. it's yeah, and I don't think I think it's kind of like the Harry Potter musical. It's like because it's um, because it's copyrighted material. I don't think they can like take it on tour and do it 
you know, I just hope it was successful enough and that people encourage them that they can do, you know, another encore performance or something somewhere down the line. Yeah, yeah I definitely. definitely look for that. <laughs> it sounds fun. <laughs> How about you, Kevin? What are your, where are your areas of geekitude? I would like to say that I'm a jack of all geekitude, but a master of none. But mm-hmm. if I really looked at one, it would probably be movies. Um, I'm kind of a film, like kind of an amateur film scholar. I could probably bore you to death with trivia about a ton of different movies and the process of movie making and and all that stuff. Um, not as well, we'll get to that, but, uh, I'm like a, an eighties video game kid. So, Mm -hmm. uh, so there's like the, on the WEC podcast, we did a, uh, a WEC reads of the book, uh, ready player one. And that's chock full of like eighties video game references. And I was just like in geek heaven reading that book. Are you as, terrified of the uh movie adaptation as i am well you know yeah well terrified no because steven spielberg is doing it but i have concerns mostly because there are so many pop references that i can't imagine that all of them will stick they'll probably have to drop a lot of references because they don't have the licenses for them and and so that's a concern, but you know, I don't know. What, what's your what's your concern about that specifically? Well, it's along it's along those lines because I'd heard a report that um, Spielberg's not going to put any of his references in because he feels like it's egotistical and self indulgent, and it's like no, that's like one of the most important parts of the book. <laughs> you can't not put your stuff in there, like so that's. I'm hoping with the references that if they can't put something in that they substitute with another 80s, like a real thing. I don't want them to make up fake 80s movies or something, you know what I mean? Which they'll sometimes do if they can't get the rights to something, because I think that would take me out of it. Yeah, I really hope that they, that he reconsiders that. You know, I haven't heard anything recently about it, but, um, you know, I just hope they do it justice, because it was such a phenomenal book. Yeah, Yeah, it was. And, I mean, anybody listening to this, don't do read that book. I mean, it's even if you aren't really a, an 80s kid like I was um, and Kelly was, uh, it's it, it's so entertaining. And, um, you know, that's I, I it was such an entertaining book for me that I felt like it was written specifically for me because mm-hmm. so many references were speaking directly to my uh, teenage years. So anyway. So my apparently my geekitude has has uh, morphed into that single book. So, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> How about you, Kelly? Any areas where your geekitude's kind of low? Yeah, I'm not a gamer. I mm-hmm. don't play video games at all. I don't have anything against them. It's just not my. I don't enjoy it. I enjoy watching other people play, which I don't know what that says about my personality. But yeah, I I have never owned a game console. Ever, which makes me a that, rare rarity. That is strange. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the closest I come to gaming is I play lots of versions of Candy Crush on my phone. Nice. <laughs> that's, that, I should. That, I should that's a version of a game, not of a gamer. No, that's, yeah. that, that, that's a poser. Well, 
Some people, uh, somebody who attends BlizzCon would probably say that, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I I I respect people in in all their gaming choices. Sure, I I I should hook you up with uh, my my husband because often he gets very frustrated that a lot of his friends that started playing Candy Crush hardcore. Um, aren't playing anymore, so he doesn't get the tickets as fast. <laughs> yeah, I was looking at old text that I had between me and my sister, and it's always me going, send me a game, send me a ticket, send me a ticket. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I don't play that game, so I you're you're talking, that's all Greek to me. Oh, it's, it's so addictive. That's the problem. They've created something that is just to hit every little buzz to addict you. Yeah, my last phone thing was Angry Birds. Angry Birds Star Wars was my last thing. But I never paid for, like, upgrades or anything. I don't pay. I'm cheap. I don't pay for anything. Yeah, neither do we. Um, <laughs> have you uh, Have you seen the Angry Birds trailer for the movie? I haven't seen the trailer. I went to a movie last night. I went to uh, Hail Caesar at our cheap theater last night and saw the uh, the, the poster for it. I don't know. I I have seen the trailer. It's been a while since I saw the trailer, but it I it actually doesn't look as bad as I thought. <laughs> I was like, okay, this is another cash grab, and it may still be a cash grab. I don't know, but the trailer made it look good. But I'm I'm you know whenever a trailer looks good, I'm still wary. You know, yeah. right? I figured if I do ever see it, I'm going to see it at the, the cheap theater. Just makes yeah, it's easier. <laughs> what did you think about it, Joe? Um, I thought the the trailer was fun. I kind of looked over at my husband because we do this thing during the when the trailers play. Um, we watch the trailer, and as they're kind of queuing up the next one, we look at each other and kind of give a thumbs up or a thumbs down or a, yeah, I'm not so sure. <laughs> or we'll just say, <laughs> you know, reviews. And so reviews means that you know, if it gets good reviews, we'll see it. Otherwise, nah. Um, and so I think that one we kind of looked and we're like, yeah, we'll give it a try. We'll see. <laughs> my, my friend and I do that. We'll lean over. And, I'll, I'll, and usually it's me leaning over going either yes, no, or oh, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and so uh, what are you guys working on now? Any any projects, anything exciting going on with, with WEC or, or any, any changes coming up in the future? Uh. The only thing that uh, is really coming up is you know, adding in the new the, the nutrition, which Mandy is a is going to soon be a registered dietitian. So we're incorporating that, which we did the first one, which was to decrease our sodium, which was hard. God, that was mm-hmm. so hard. She's she's torturing us. Yes, <laughs> I still say we should call it Wack Hell, and they still keep telling me. No. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're adding the travel, just because. All of us travel, and for me, it's like a huge passion. I absolutely adore traveling and going places. And that's, uh, you know, expanding it that way. Uh, we did uh, decide to revamp how we do our WEC reads, which we used to read one book, and uh, everyone discussed it. And then we found out that our reading tastes are so divergent that that wasn't working out. <laughs> <laughs> so those are the big changes. How about, what do you think? Do you think anything I missed? Uh, I think you covered it. It's, you know, we're we're trying to, we're just trying to branch out. I think what we're doing is a little bit uh, more kind of like a life thing. And um, 
probably less of the the geek slash uh, nerd world and more of the uh, life experience world, which is what the travel and nutrition are all about. So I think it's interesting. It's an interesting direction that we're we're uh, we're going in, and um, and I'm excited about it. So regardless of what we do, there's always going to be pop culture because I don't think I could make it a full five minutes without referring to something pop culturey. Right. Well, like, well, I, oh, go ahead. I I think that's kind of the the thing that is that has always drawn me to your podcast is that even when you're talking about stuff that's not directly. Um, geeky or pop culture filled you it's it's still from the the perspective of people who enjoy the same things i do and so i think that's why i mean you guys could talk about you know clothing or i'm trying to think of other things that i don't find interesting at all um you know furniture uh you know whatever whatever you happen to talk about but because you're coming from you know from the same kind of perspective that i come to these things it it gets me excited about the things that you guys are excited about. I think that's the fun thing about your podcast is you're so interested in what you're talking about that it gets us interested. Um, with your travel podcast, I was like, oh, this will be interesting. But, you know, as far as I, I enjoy travel, um, it tends to stress me out a little bit. So once I'm there, I'm fine. But the getting there and getting back just is not my favorite part of the ordeal. That's me exactly. It, I hate flying. Yeah. I absolutely loathe it. And it freaks yeah. me out. But once I get there, I'm good to go. Yeah, once I'm actually in the hotel, I'm like, okay, now I can relax, <laughs> have a drink, whatever. But the thing about travel that I like is uh, uh, when I went to New York City one uh, year, uh, I specifically looked for a comic book shop because I needed, I wanted a specific comic book from my childhood and and I had them order it and and so that's, you know, that's kind of taking the travel thing and, and melding it with kind of our, our geeky lifestyle. So, and it's funny cause in the, uh, we talk about, uh, I think, I think Katie was talking about finding a comic book shop herself. Right. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's, uh, so yeah, I mean, if, if there's an opportunity to find something that is in that realm, I'm, I'm there. You know, anything that's like there was a model shop in London I went to that was really awesome that had models that I've never seen before that would never be sold in the United States, like from Doctor Who or Blake Seven or I'm going to I'm going to stop there to drop all these uh, obscure references. But, you know, it's <laughs> that's kind of the fun thing about travel is to find uh things in that city or whatever that that kind of satiate that that geek desire that we have or when we went, when I went to I went to New York in December and we went to Cat's Deli because we wanted to see the one Harry met Sally table oh right right yeah. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, just, even <laughs> it's not technically geek it's still like the movie stuff and all that right right yeah yeah I mean my my husband and I travel quite a bit because he absolutely loves it like if he could be on the road all the time he would be and um and so for thanksgiving this year we just decided you know what we're going to get away from everything we're going to go up to portland because i'd never been and um we're just going to chill out up there for thanksgiving and have just a, a nice week just the two of us and there are a lot of geeky things in portland and i think that's kind of when when the light bulb went off for us that 
Well, Joe will enjoy traveling a lot more if he knows he gets to do stuff that he enjoys instead of just going and looking at this tree or yes, yes. <laughs> this waterfall <laughs> or you know, so now we're when we plan when we plan our trips it's all right. You know, we're going to go to this convention and while we're there we'll make sure that we take a day to go out and look at nature and hike and stuff for my husband, but you know, I also have my things that that I get to do that are a little bit more geeky and more more interesting to me. So it's it's kind of been a nice compromise at this point. In Portland, did you go to Voodoo? We didn't go to Voodoo because all the natives that uh, we know or people who go out there often are like, Voodoo's very um, it's very touristy. Go to Blue Star because it's it's very good donuts, but shorter line and just as good. So that, that's what we did. We went to Blue Star. But we were going to have to go and check out Voodoo one of these trips. I think you know, I absolutely fell in love with Portland, so I'm going to be going there more often than not. Yeah, so. I, I was just in Portland in January for work, and we we did the we went to Voodoo just because we had to to bring it back. It was good though; I, I really liked it. But there's a really cool uh, Irish pub that's near there that was really fun. So. It sounds like I love little hole in the wall places like that. I think that's and that's why I love Portland. There's all sorts of little nooks and crannies to find, and everything's walking distance. Exactly. And and it's a city, but it's yet it's not like L.A. and it's not crowded and it's not. And you can walk. Yeah, and walking everywhere. I I mentioned this in one of our on our travel podcasts. I love walking cities. Being able to walk everywhere is just my idea of heaven. I love it. Well, and that was a little bit of where I was going with it. I, I thought, oh, this will be an interesting podcast because it's a wet, wet podcast, so I know I'll enjoy it. But it was one of the first where I was like, I have things to say. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you not uh, a couple of on, on our my episode about podcasts with Kenny? Um, he'd mentioned that very often he feels like he wants to say things when he's listening to Geektitude. And gets very frustrated when I don't answer back. <laughs> and, and I was like, okay, I get, I kind of get that, but I actually felt it <laughs> listening to your podcast. I'm like, no, I have things to say. <laughs> I think that's a, for me that feels like success for our podcast. Because in my head, when we were when uh, Katie had come up wanting to do one, and we, we put this together, I wanted it to feel like for people that they were eavesdropping on a conversation. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want it to feel set up or anything. I wanted it to be just us chatting. And I think, I hope we, we do that. And if you wanted to jump in, then I think that made it successful. Yeah, I mean, the way I look at it is the microphone that we have that uh, is hanging above us is the fifth person in our room. And that's how I've always looked at it. So, you know, the... So I always refer to the microphone as a, another person, and uh, I don't I don't think of how many people I'm talking to or how many people are listening. There's really only one person that's listening. And that's you, you know. Whoever you are, you are the, the the fifth person of of that podcast. Even though you can't really talk to us, um, that's that's kind of my frame of reference while I'm talking. You know, it's it's almost like uh, it's almost like even though I'm talking to my four, my three friends, uh, there's another person in the room listening, so I'm talking to them as well. So, um, and that's that's the fun that I get out of it. 
Well, and as you bring that up, I think I think that very much comes across because there's plenty of podcasts I listen to where I do feel like I'm one of the community that is listening and and that they are talking to many of us. But you're absolutely right. It feels very much like I'm the fifth person in a conversation when I listen to your podcast. So so good job, because that's exactly what you're accomplishing. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks. It's you know, I, I have listened to enough podcasts to to kind of feel like, oh, I'm one of like a million people who listen to this. And, mm-hmm. and I think getting a sense of, uh, getting a sense of the audience or whoever's listening and, and treating them like a friend that you're inviting into this conversation is, uh, is really important to me to make people feel like they can jump in at any time. And like when you, you're like, you want to say something be, uh, after we respond to some kind of topic, I think that's a great thing. And um, something that I think uh, other podcasts could, uh, could learn from, I think. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. What, um, we'll go with uh, Kevin this time. What is your favorite fandom? Wow. My favorite fandom, like, yikes. Well, I mean, the first fandom that I started out with was Star Trek, because back when I was young, that was really the only fandom that existed. Mm-hmm. And because that was the, the beginning of the that was the origination of the convention and the science fiction convention, the comic book convention, whatever. It all started with Star Trek. And but I mean, if I had to. If I had to throw my love towards one, it would be Star Wars because I I don't think I don't think anything Star Trek has kind of hit me the way Star Wars has. And mm-hmm. I have to I have to be specific. Episodes four through six, through six and uh, episode seven. The first three episodes, one, two, three, I could watch and I can enjoy on a different level. But, you know, my my fandom started with that first 1977 film and uh and that's what got me into uh movies it's got me into uh studying about the the craft of movie making i would i would actually buy journals that were specifically for uh the film industry specifically because they were talking about special effects on a Star Wars movie. And so I would read like so much about Star Wars. And um I don't I, I don't uh lessen my fandom of uh Star Trek, but I don't I have I hadn't embraced it as much as uh Star Wars. So but there's so many fandoms I'm into. Um so I, I but if I had to pick one that would be it, Star Wars. Very cool. How about you, Kelly? Okay, this is gonna sound weird. But the fandom I like are at conventions because I found I've been to Comic Con three times. I was went to one X Files convention back when the show was on the first time, mm-hmm. and I've been to D twenty three, which is the Disney convention that's held every other year in Anaheim. And I found that with each of them, I could be in line and I would have a total what I call an out of personality experience, which means I actually talk to the people in line with me. Mm-hmm. I'm an introvert, and I usually don't say anything to anyone. But all of the, I mean, I have so many, like, stories that were so wonderful for whatever line I was in. I mean, I when I was at Comic-Con waiting to get into the Doctor Who panel, there was this nice young kid in front of me 
who was dressed like Captain Jack. We talked for hours, just chatting about everything. I was on the bus at Comic-Con, and I had a whole discussion with someone about the TV show Bones and how I thought Tempest would be a horrible mother, but she thought she would be fabulous. <laughs> uh, three, waiting in line for the Muppets and talking about the Muppets show. I mean, and I think when someone goes to a convention, because they're hectic and they're tiring and, they're, and they can be expensive, that you have that level of dedication and to talk to the people in line, it's, it's just joyous, and I love it. That's awesome. That's very cool. All right, here's your chance to to sell your um, your geeky pleasure that a lot of people don't know about. What is that one thing that you think is amazing that most people don't know about? And you're like, please, by all means, start watching this or start reading this or start engaging in this. Kelly, you're first. I'm first. Yes. <laughs> I am watching this TV show that I haven't read anything about. I don't know if anyone's watching it, and I absolutely love it, and it's called You, Me, and the Apocalypse. And it's on, I haven't heard of that. It's on NBC, and first of all, I'm a sucker for any kind of an end-of-the-world type thing anyway, but it has a really good cast in it. It has, um, uh, and I'm going to mess this up, it's Pam from The Office. <laughs> Okay. Her, uh, Rob Lowe is in it. Uh, Megan McGauley, the one from Will and Grace, who played Karen on Will and Grace. And it, it's a show about an asteroid is coming to the Earth, and it's following these different people as they do, uh, as they deal with it. So Rob Lowe is a priest, and he's been given a job by the Vatican to go and any false um, prophets or messiahs or whatever to debunk them. Or if it's true, to bring it to their attention. Pam from the office uh, is a escaped convict who just wants to get back to see her husband and her son before the end of the world happens. And it's just bizarre and funny and touching. It's I, and like I said, I don't know if anyone who's watching it, and I've not seen anything on the internet or anything about it. That sounds fascinating. I think I think that might be something that I can convince my husband to add to our list because if it's got Karen from uh, Will and Grace, oh. <laughs> he's going to be on board. Circle. She's she's a white supremacist who, but oh, no. she's a, but who has like who's crazy. I mean, like full out crazy. Did the uh, engraving in her head like Manson? I mean, she's... Charles Manson, not Marilyn Manson. She's just full-on nuts, but she knows she's nuts, and she's good with it. (laughs) Wow. Sounds amazing. (laughs) It is. It's hysterical. How about you, Kevin? Oh, wow. Yeah, I was thinking about this, and one of the things... I don't know if I mentioned this, but uh, what my low geekitude is is television so i because i don't watch too much television uh which is why kelly is is kind of uh well no i mean it's like i'm on (laughs) your you fill in for what i i don't know and i i get to learn a whole lot about uh, the tv side but i was thinking about this and one of the one of the things that i love a lot is time travel stories and so I'm just I'm going to mention two things very quickly. Uh, both I think you can watch on Netflix if you can get it. Both are movies. One is called Parallels, and 
it stars a cast of relative unknowns and it has to do with a building that under certain circumstances travels through time. So if you can imagine Doctor Who where the doctor can't control his TARDIS and goes anywhere it, it wants. This is the mm. same thing for parallels that you have this about five people who are in this building and all of a sudden the building just disappears from one time frame and drops into another. And the situations that the, the characters get in are really, really interesting uh, because you get to see alternate versions of their town. And uh, it's a short movie and it was uh, intended to be a pilot for a TV series. And some people are still trying to get it to be a TV show. And uh, and so I would recommend that people watch that if you're into uh, time travel. The other one is called Primer or Primer, depending on how uh, you want to call it. And that's another time travel movie. And it's relatively short, but it's about two engineers who accidentally stumble upon a way of traveling through time. And what they do with it is they use it to further themselves monetarily. They, you know, imagine if you had a time machine and you could like do what Marty McFly did in, in back to the future and grab a, an almanac, a sports almanac, and then start betting on races or betting on sports things. This is what these two guys start doing. They start going back and forth, but it's, it's really, really complex so complex the, that you could actually look up the, the Primer movie and, and look up images and they'll show uh, images of all of the different times that they go through. And it's, it's very, very complicated. But if, if you stick with it, it's a very rewarding experience, in my opinion. The, it, it's a great movie. It's a, like I said, it's a short movie, but it's, if you're into time travel, it's one of the best examples of time travel that I've ever seen. Um, it's a little bit more serious than, say, Back to the Future. But, you know, once again, I'm a sucker for anything time travel. So it's right down my alley. So those are your two. Uh, those are your two examples for me. <laughs> That's so awesome. I'm so glad that I switched to this question, partly because of the WEC podcast, because you did a whole thing on guilty pleasures, and uh, and I had enough people write in and go, yeah, we shouldn't be guilty about the things we like. And ever since we changed it, so many people have been telling me about these little hidden gems that I had never heard of or thought about exploring. So that I'm I'm glad that I've changed the thing. Thank you guys for sharing that with me. Yeah, the I I can't take credit for the whole don't uh don't have a guilty pleasure thing. I got that from Dave Grohl of Foo Fighters because I remember mm-hmm. seeing um I I saw an interview with Dave Grohl and he was cuz Dave Grohl for anyone who doesn't know, he plays kind of hard rock music. Um uh, well. <laughs> <laughs> He's a great guy. He's he seems like the nicest guy in the world. Uh, but in this interview, he was talking about um, there is I think I might have mentioned this on our podcast, but he was at an MTV Music Awards. And this is back when the Backstreet Boys were big and Backstreet Boys were it, it was in New York and the Backstreet Boys were playing and he was above the stage somehow. 
and the camera caught him while they were playing one of their songs. And he was like kind of dancing and going and, and grooving to the Backstreet Boys. And all of a sudden, the somebody on the uh, the stage said, and look up there, it's Dave Grohl from Foo Fighters. And he stopped and they put a spotlight on him. And he's like, what? And momentarily embarrassed. And he realized, why should I be embarrassed for liking the Backstreet Boys? You know, why should I be embarrassed for liking anything? It's, so it's like own your own your geekitude is essentially what what it translates to you know what your show is all about you know love the things you love and don't apologize for them and you know if somebody doesn't get into it that's fine you don't have to um but don't feel embarrassed that you like anything and as soon as i heard that i went yeah man i'm i'm not i'm not going to apologize for anything i like no, it definitely changes your outlook. It is kind of like, yeah, I, you, it makes you, it, it forces you to be a little bit more comfortable in your skin, which for some of us is not the, the easiest thing to do. But when you give yourself permission to do it, it, it is a little bit liberating. Absolutely, absolutely. And I encourage anyone who is afraid to express themselves or meet other people who are who share their own uh, passions to. To ha- to kind of approach those people. I know it's hard because a lot of us are introverts and aren't that type of uh, personality. But you know, there are there are like-minded people everywhere. So, but and I think the being comfortable with yourself is really something that comes with age. At least it has with me. When I was younger, yeah, I would definitely agree. Yeah, when I was younger, it was much harder for me to embrace it. Now I'm like, you know, deal with it. I like Barry Mellon. <laughs> <laughs> I love Batman. Get over yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember in high school liking Devo, the band Devo, uh-huh. the new wave band. Mm-hmm. Not in my high school. I'd be get beaten up if I if I told people that I like Devo. So I had to keep quiet on that. And I, I mean, that was truly a guilty pleasure. It's like, oh, that was like a secret thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I I do agree. The older you get, the more mature you are, and the more you kind of embrace your uh, your geekitude. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys for sharing with us. Uh, I hope everybody has uh, got to know you a little bit better. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. We're gonna move on to how we kept it geek this week. I had mentioned on my last podcast that my brother was kind enough to give me a a Nintendo 3DS. And so I have been catching all the Pokemon. <laughs> it's been um, I I feel the addiction <laughs> creeping in again. Um, luckily, you know, there's these things called jobs that you know pull me away and, and <laughs> ground me back in reality. But uh, but that's been a fun and exciting thing for me this week. Uh, I've finally gotten a chance to catch up a little bit more on um, Jay and Miles explains the X Men which, again, I highly, highly recommend to anybody who enjoys uh, the comic books or wants to learn more about the X-Men, listen to their podcast because it is so fun and they are so random and charming and amazing. I, I cannot recommend it enough. But the last geeky thing that kind of was out of the ordinary, but I, I do get to do it once a year, um, I teach a lesson at school about uh, plot. The kids are having, they have to write a, a screenplay 
we've read Frankenstein, so now they're going to write an adaptation of one of the scenes, and to kind of get them the idea of how to structure it so that they have a good beginning, middle, and end, um, I have to teach them plot structure, and we use Freytag's Pyramid, which is the whole um, exposition, rising action, climax, falling action, and resolution. And uh, and I am a huge Scooby-Doo fan, and if you ever watch the old classic Scooby-Doo television shows, they are very much perfect examples of those things, and it's a very good way of showing how to pace a story, and so I get to show my kids an episode of Scooby-Doo and uh, use that as a, a reference point. I'm hoping it's Scooby-Doo pre-Scrappy. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not a fan of Scrappy-Doo. Oh, I think that was the most brilliant thing they did in the, the live-action movie. I think whoever wrote that just knew exactly how to hit the fans in the feels because everybody I know dislikes Scrappy-Doo. <laughs> It was a kind of a desperate move on Hanna Barbera's part, I thought. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's interesting that you mentioned that the Scooby Doo plot because it's kind of like a very similar plot in every episode. And we mm-hmm. we always uh, joke about the uh, the revealing of the villain at the end, and I got, would have gotten away with it if it weren't for you meddling kids kind of line that happens almost every episode. But it was. For me, when I was little, it was one of my favorites. I love Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Which, you know, fits how much I like creepy and everything. And it does have a little creepy, scary edge to it. Right. Definitely the early ones do. Yeah. Yeah. And then it- yeah it's, cre- it's creepy and it's scary, but it's not so much so. It's kind of was that taste of the scary movie when we were little. Yeah, and the cheesy 70s music. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> right, the, the original theme song, which I'm not going to sing. And also, they always, and maybe I'm remembering this incorrectly, but didn't they always have like a chase sequence where they would throw some cheesy song in there? Yeah, and honestly, that was not in um, Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? It came a little bit later, but with Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? Um, you can it, it It is maybe the same 15 plot points just kind of rearranged in different ways with a different bad guy. And um, there's something, I don't know, there's something just comforting when you just want to kind of relax and and enjoy something that is nostalgic. And it's also fun to to use in the classroom because Scooby-Doo is one of those things that's both uh, multi-generational and uh, multi-cultural. So if you went to Europe right now and you had a Scooby-Doo t-shirt on, more than likely, people would recognize what it is because it was broadcast internationally, and and so it's something that's very unifying for a lot of people. It's a, it's in a lot of people's cultural reference points. So, and, and it's nice having something from when you were little that can you can still watch and enjoy. Because I don't know about you, but part of my childhood was uh, the like H.R. Puffin stuff and the mm-hmm. Sidney Marty Croft, which by the way are not. I tried to watch it as an adult. I thought I was gonna die. It's awful. <laughs> Asian R. and stuff is awful, really. Oh my! Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's hard to watch. It's With the talking flute, the talking flute. Freddy the flute. <laughs> the Freddy the flute. <laughs> I know. It's, oh, it's yeah. It was absolutely painful. Have Have you guys listened to uh, I Remember It Better? No. What is I? Yeah, I've not. No. It's a podcast called I Remembered It dot 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 better. 
and it's a geek nostalgia podcast. And every couple of months, they'll do a, a, a segment called Have You Ever? And one of the three hosts will pick something that they absolutely loved in their childhood but haven't interacted with in you know, years, possibly decades. And all three of them will, you know, the week before, watch an episode or 10 or watch this movie and then they'll come back and talk about it. And so often they come back and they're like, I don't know. I ever liked this. <laughs> I remember this being the best thing ever. And I couldn't get through in a single episode. And it's just kind of funny because a lot of it, you'll sit there and go for me. I, I tried to go back and watch uh, Goonies and I can't do it to me. It's just screaming children for an hour and a half. I, I Which just killed me because I loved that show when I was yeah, growing up. Yeah, I think we all have that kind of thing where we we love something and then we watch it and we're like, ugh. <laughs> yeah, You're just not the same person you were when you were twelve. Yeah, exactly. Which is kind of sad because you know, as as a twelve year old or eight year old or whatever uh, kid, your your mind is so open and you're sucking all this knowledge in and. And then you get old. <laughs> Ferris Bueller. When I first saw, I saw Ferris Bueller in the theater, I loved Ferris Bueller. I wanted to be Ferris Bueller. Yeah. I now watch and I'm like, you're a sociopathic little girl. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you look at it from a different point of view when you're our age. <laughs> How about you guys? Kevin, what did you do this week? You know, I, I had a real hard time uh, thinking up something because uh, I I don't have any Wi-Fi this week, and I didn't, and my phone broke, so no. I've been completely disconnected from everything. So I, so essentially, there was like a stack of books that uh, I decided to uh, see if there was something that I wanted to read. And uh, because my dad was re uh, really into military techno thrillers, kind of like the Tom Clancy type mm -hmm. books or, uh, oh, I don't know, uh, Stephen Kuntz was an, is another guy. And uh, I decided to pick up one and start reading it by a guy named W.E.B. Griffin. And the book specifically is called, if I can remember uh, secret forces, no secret honor, secret honor. And it's set in world war two and I'm a world war two nut. I'll, I'll read anything about world war two and it's set in Argentina where there is a plot during world war two in 1941, I think where the Germans are setting up or attempting to set up a, a section in Argentina where if the war goes wrong, all of the Nazis could go over to Argentina and continue their work. And mm -hmm. so the, the book is all about that. And it's, it's kind of, it, it's nothing like I've ever read. And, uh, I only, I only include it because, uh, you know, my dad, it's kind of like getting in touch with what my dad was into. And he was just a nut about military books and, and stuff like that. And uh, and so really, it's kind of a way to connect with my father. And, you know, because I never really got interested in any of that. Um, I wish I had something like uh, like sci-fi sci or fantasy or TV or movie, like superhero stuff that I could say. But... <laughs> 
But no, <laughs> it, it's the military history. World War Two. That's kind of right down my alley. So yeah, superhero. That's my job. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's very cool though. It's, it sounds like a very interesting story. So yeah, it's it is, and but it once again, none of the the other books like on the WEC podcast that we've read. Uh, <laughs> anybody who likes those books would probably not be into this particular book. It's it's definitely for a niche audience. So Kelly, well, very cool. <laughs> <laughs> not you. So, so uh, two things. I bought, and I haven't read yet, but I'm going to read this week, Mad Love, which is the graphic novel by Paul Dini and someone else, which is the introduction of Harley Quinn. So, Oh, very cool. Oh, yeah. And I'm doing that in prep for uh, Suicide Squad, which can't wait. And I, and I don't know how many people know this, but Harley Quinn was not part of the comics. She was created... For the Batman animated series, and I loved the animated series. It's one of my favorite TV shows ever. So I'm very excited about that. And then the other geeky thing, I consider it geeky, but I don't know, which is I binge listen to all of the back episodes of Serial because I love that so much. Such a good podcast. And what is that podcast about? Oh, Serial, it's... Uh, actually done by the same producers who do This American Life. Oh, okay. This is the second season. Each season they take in one particular person, and actually it's been a crime for both, and then they discuss everything around the crime so that you can decide whether or not you think the person's guilty. The first, Interesting. Yeah, the first one was a, and I don't remember names, I'm horrible, but um, he's been convicted of murder, and it's going through and seeing if he actually did it. And then the recent one is the guy who just got returned for desertion. He was held by the Taliban for five years. Mm-hmm. And it's going through his story and, and uh, you know, why he, why he did it, what happened to him when he was being held captive, what's happening now. It, it's fascinating. It really is. Did, did you mention that on a WEC Listens? I did, and it was uh, when it was still the first season. Okay. Yeah. And the only way I found it was they were making fun of it on Saturday Night Live. And so I'm like, what the heck is this thing? And so I had to go find it and went, this is so cool. And, it, and it's a binge-worthy one because I like being able to hear all the sides of it all at once rather than having to deal with the gaps as I wait for the new episode to come out. Right, right, right. That was one of the few uh, NPR shows. Because uh, This American Life on NPR is obviously really po- popular as a podcast as well. But that was one of the few podcasts that wasn't Miss American Life that really, really took off as a podcast. And, I mean, got super, super popular. I mean, to the point where it's like, you know, where everybody starts talking about it. And I haven't listened to it myself, but, you know, I, I think it's definitely on my list. That's very cool. Yeah, I know it sounds like a lot a very interesting uh uh, listen, I'm I'm having trouble keeping up. I actually had to let some of my podcasts go this week, and because I'm adding so many new ones, as I hear things come and go, and you make it and, sound like you're le- like releasing pets into the wild. <laughs> it, it feels like that sometimes because you start building up a a I don't know a loyalty to some of these podcasts, and then when you're realizing, okay. I keep bumping past that one because there's other things I want to get to first. And then you're just kind of like, you know what? 
I'm just going to take that off the list because otherwise I'm going to end up two or three episodes behind, and that just kind of indicates I, I've I've grown apart from that. <laughs> yes, oh, I'm right there with you. I have the same issue. And since we do the listens podcast, you know uh, the like listens, I'm always looking for new ones. So yeah, it's like having to like release some of my children and keep the other ones, and it, yeah, it's like a Sophie's choice. It's very difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Well, very cool. Well, it sounds like we all had very geeky weeks, Kevin. Maybe a little less so, yes, but <laughs> yeah. admittedly so. Yes. All right. Um, a couple of news bites. Nothing serious this week. Um, before we move on to our feature, I because I am such a Scooby Doo fan, I had to put this in here. Apparently, up in Northern California, um, the the police had to chase down a woman who was driving the mystery machine. <laughs> um, you know, I certainly don't uh, promote, you know, high speed chases. It's not something you should do. <laughs> this is not an endorsement for that type of activity. But if you're gonna get into a, a chase. Doing it in the mystery machine is is not not a bad way to go. Did they get that on video? Do they have video of this? I have to no. The, that. I think the video that's there. I didn't go back because um, I I wasn't looking at a place that had great connections, so I didn't want to stream the video. But my understanding is it's uh, somebody who it's kind of like a cops parody, but it's Scooby and Shaggy being pulled over. Ah. Uh. <laughs> I'm I'm guessing there's some sort of illegal substance in the uh in the mystery machine and that's the that's the conceit of the of the video. Was with uh Scooby Doo where are you as well? Yes. <laughs> so that was that was kind of a fun little thing. And then I saw just yesterday as I was kinda of like, is there any last minute things I want to throw in? They had on um The Escapist, they had eight celebrities and their geeky hobbies. Um, did you guys get a chance to look through this? No, I did not. No. Sorry. No, that's okay. Um, some of them, I think, are relatively well known. Um, they have the first one they start with is uh, Vin Diesel and his D and D interest in D and D. So right, yeah, I think that's pretty well known. You know, he's he's a hardcore geek, and so it's kind of cool that that he's not quiet about it but apparently daniel craig is is big on halo wow that's kind of cool yeah um rosario dawson is all about star trek and comic books that is weird that, not weird but that's cool wasn't she yeah movie? i think she was in wasn't she in um Dogma? Dogma, that would make sense yeah well and she's in um she's in daredevil and um Jessica Jones as Night Nurse, isn't right, she? Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so she loves she loves comic books and video games. I think that's that's neat. Oh, but apparently Star Trek is her is her jam. <laughs> I, can, uh, I can relate to that. I love Star Trek. I approve. <laughs> <laughs> I, as I'm reading, she's even picked up a little Klingon vocabulary for her daily life. Oh, that's wow. hard. Okay. That's, <laughs> I, I consider myself a Star Trek fan, but I've never picked up Klingon. No, that's Spanish. I'm not picking up some language. That really <laughs> <laughs> but it, on, uh, along, do you have any more uh, celebrities to mention? Yeah, they have. They have eight. They have eight ones. But some of them are less interesting than others. Did you have somebody you knew about? Well, uh, Kelly and I were talking uh, about the Big Bang Theory, 
And mm-hmm. I read a, an article once um, because if you know anything about the Big Bang Theory, it's, you know, what is it? Four guys who are scientists uh, and, uh, you know, and, and a girl who's like who at least at the beginning of the series was a waitress who uh, the smart guys would kind of make fun of because she was dumb, supposedly. But the interesting thing about it is that there's a lot of sci-fi and comic book references dropped in that show. But if if any of the guy actors were asked about these geek references, they didn't know them. So mm-hmm. they wouldn't know anything about Star Trek. They wouldn't know anything about Doctor Who. They wouldn't know anything about Green Lantern, you know, but... Katie Cuoco, who plays Penny, who is the dumb one who doesn't know anything about the geek stuff, is the is the only one that knows about all of this stuff. So she's like the geek of the actors on that show. And it's ironic that in their real lives, they play the exact opposite of what they are. And the other thing uh, is uh, Mayan Bialik is the actual only scientist on that show, which I found, you know infinitely fascinating so yeah no i knew about i knew about um about her i didn't know about um the one who plays penny that's and i i feel bad because well i shouldn't feel bad but i i have concern because i actually really enjoy um the big bang theory and i know that they're like that's kind of geek taboo is everybody's like well it's not it's misrepresentation and it's not um, you know, it's not, uh, you know, they're, they're making fun of them and, and but I, it's one of the few times that my interests are being displayed on television and I don't care if they're just kind of superficially touching on these things. I can sit there and enjoy that they're on television and that I can relate to those characters, whether or not they're actually nerds in real life. Um, and there's been plenty of times where they've done something and my husband's like elbowed me because, you know, I recognize that action, like the whole refreshing for, um, oh, yeah. for, for the comic con tickets. Like I've been there, <laughs> you know? And so it's just anytime somebody, you know, starts bashing on big bang theory, I always kind of feel bad. Cause I'm like, I get where you're coming from, but at the same time, I really like the show. I love it. It's one of my favorite shows. It's a, it's a comfort show for me. Cause you know, it's played, it's repeated so often that mm-hmm. if I want something in the background. I have that in the background. I love it. I think it's a great show. And they, you know, they've been at comic con the three years I went, they were there. I went to their panels. They're funny, sweet, interesting people. So. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't want to disparage any of the actors because they're not like, they don't know everything about Star Trek or Doctor Who. I love, I love the show. I love the cast. I think it's a, I don't, I've never actually met anybody who thought that the show was somewhat of a misrepresentation. I don't think you look at that show and think it's an accurate representation of scientists or anybody. It's just, it's what I like about it is, uh, it's like they would all gather around and play D and D. I did. Mm-hmm. I used to do that. Or they would all play a board game, and I do that now. So it's like, and they would have like things on the set, like a Dalek model in the back, or 
you know, some kind of reference. The, there was the uh, episode in Big Bang Theory where uh, one of them bought the time machine from the 1960 <laughs> time machine movie. <laughs> well, they bought it and it's, it was in their apartment. And I thought, this is me. I could be one of them because I would have done that. I would have Absolutely. wanted to own that very thing because that's that is a a passion of mine is that movie and that particular time machine. So yeah, I I love it and I once again going back to the guilty pleasure, I don't apologize for it. No, I don't either, but I, I you know, I I've I've been yelled at by a couple people for for liking it and I'm kind of like I I enjoy it and and yes, it's it may be you know, I don't see it as making fun of geeks because in my mind they're they're the heroes. Yeah. They're the ones who have to struggle through life and so, you know, be happy that there's representation out there. Be happy that it's it's being um put out there. I mean, if you don't like it, you don't like it. I've got friends who are like I can't do the laugh track. And that's why I don't watch it. I've got other people who are like, eh, it's just not my cup of tea. That's fine. I'm not saying you have to like right. it. But, you know, don't, don't yell at me for liking it. Right. In the first seer, in the first season, there was a, like, right when the Penny first entered the comic book shop with the characters and all of the guys mm-hmm. in the comic book shop were like, oh, my God, there's a girl in the comic book shop. What am I going to mm-hmm. do? I've actually lived that before i mean i've gone to a comic shop because uh, i was uh married once and so i bring my wife into a comic shop and i swear it's like the conversations all stopped there's a there's a girl <laughs> in the comic book shop now i mean this is like years and years ago but and i think it's different now i don't think you i don't think a girl can walk into a comic book shop and have that same experience but but it does happen, you know? Now I'm a little hurt. I'm a girl. I walked into a comic book shop in the 80s and 90s. No one ever stopped for me. I'm very sad. Yeah, I, I can't explain that. <laughs> it doesn't happen all the time. Maybe you were at a, a hipper, a more hip uh, comic yeah, book A more shop progressive uh, comic book shop. <laughs> so, yeah. But anyway, so I will put in the show notes um, this... Uh, uh, article from the escapist uh, the the other one i wanted to to mention there out of the eight is uh mila kunis who is uh, a big world of warcraft and settlers of Catan fan um, wow and i had i i had heard that before that she was one of those people that you don't think of as being a world of warcraft player but uh but she definitely is and uh, i'm surprised they don't have um they don't have a couple of other people they don't have um uh Henry Cavill the Superman right. he he almost missed his uh callback because he was on a raid and he didn't get the call <laughs> <laughs> and uh and um right now uh Rob Kaczynski he was in True Blood and um Pacific Rim he was the hotshot Australian driver oh, okay uh he's he's going to be in the World of Warcraft movie and he is you know when when he first got the the part, people are have you ever played? And he's like, not only have I played, but I've got like nine max level characters. <laughs> <laughs> and he's talked about. It. He's like, when you're an actor, there's a lot of time you're not acting right. and you're not working and you're just waiting for callbacks. And I did a lot of leveling. <laughs> Can you imagine somebody actually getting? Was is it a, a lead role that he's playing? Oh yeah, no, he was stoked. He's like, he, he even tweeted once. He's like, every day I look in the mirror and I'm not 
Orgrim Doomhammer, it makes me a little sad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, how much credibility does that give him because he did that? I mean, I mean, there's, uh, it's kind of like, I mean, not to bring up a, a can of worms, but J.J. Uh, Abrams did the the Star Trek movies, and a lot of Star Trek fans hate that because J.J. Abrams came out and said that he was never a Star Trek fan when he was, uh, you know, a kid. I mean, imagine being a fan, a total fan of World of Warcraft and knowing that somebody is starring in the new Warcraft movie who had never played. That would be mm-hmm. that would be kind of like a marketing nightmare, in my opinion. But the fact that he's like a diehard fan is is way cool. A lot of the people who are on the project, including the director, are big fans, which is, I think, what's what has, as, as you said, um, added that um, legitimacy to it. And this actually provides kind of a nice transition to to what our feature is today, which is the um, the state of the superhero movie. And so why don't we kind of just use this as a kicking off point? We've gotten to a time where it's almost not acceptable for people to make movies if they're not a fan of them or if they're not at least invested in the franchise in something more than monetarily. At least that seems to be my opinion. What do you guys think? I, I agree. It's become so mainstream that, yeah, to not like them is, makes you almost more of a outcast than those who do like them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the, these movies are driving Hollywood business. And and so it's it's a very interesting time in in kind of geek culture in which the in which the stuff that we all uh, grew up with, you know, the Marvel comic characters and even DC characters and and whatnot are are driving the biggest tentpole movies in the summertime. And which is why I think this is kind of like a golden age of of geek movies in a way. Mm-hmm. I mean, science fiction movies particularly have always done well. I mean, if we're talking about star Wars and maybe even, uh, action movies that are kind of in the same vein, like Raiders of the Lost Ark or Indiana Jones stuff. But yeah, I mean, you, uh, to criticize these movies is kind of like, uh, you're, you're, you're kind of missing something. You're off. I hate to say that they're mainstream because I'd have a, a, a weird connotation to it mm-hmm. that it's mainstream, but I don't have a problem with the fact that it's mainstream as long as it's, as they're good and they've been good. Right. Right. Well, and I think that the idea of making it to make money versus making it because you're excited about the movie is the difference between stuff like Daredevil and the Avengers and stuff like Fantastic Four. Well, and I, a big part of why they're getting so much better and they're doing so much better is they're getting people who know the comics, who are involved in the comic mm-hmm. books. Um, like I said, I'm a, I'm a big Kevin Smith fan, and listening to him talk about when he wrote the uh, Superman movie that never got made, mm-hmm. and how he has a story where he suggested bringing in some of the comic book writers, and he was poo-pooed and told, we don't do that, they do those little books, and we do you know big movies, and they don't know what they're doing. And I think that's a huge mm. mistake, and then that they've actually corrected now. Well, and it's it's sad that they. I mean, there's just it, it surprises me how disconnected the the higher ups in the film industry are from the the products that they're making. I mean, that, I think that's evident in the 
um, the whole toy debacle with the Avengers and not making cop, um, Black Widow and Scarlet Witch as toys. Right. Because because boys don't play with girls, then it makes them dolls, not action figures. And it's kind of like, I'm sorry, what planet are you from? <laughs> exactly. These, you know, these people don't realize there are as many, or more, I think actually when they last looked at it, there are more women going to these superhero movies than men. There mm-hmm. are more women in the world than or on the U.S. than men. Don't think just because it was traditionally considered a boy's thing that women aren't interested, because I can tell you, I am over the moon excited about every single superhero. I don't care if it's DC or if it's Marvel or if it's some independent comic. I don't care. If it's a movie about it, I'm going to go see it. Though I am more DC than Marvel. <laughs> well, that's okay cuz I'm I'm more Marvel than DC and I'm I'm really excited and and interested in hearing how you what what you feel about Batman versus Superman. But before we get there, um, what have they been doing right? What's been good in the movies up until now? Well, I can tell you all the stuff I loved, and I think they did right in Deadpool because that's the most recent one that I watched. Okay. Which was I, it first of all making it R-rated. I think was the right thing to do mm-hmm. for the character. I, I think the level of violence, which was very, it was almost cartoony, is also correct. Mm-hmm. It really bothers me in movies when someone gets shot or gets beat up, and there's no blood. I'm not saying everything has to be ultra-realistic, but let's have a little realism. Mm-hmm. And so I, I enjoyed that. And I think it was, they listened to fans. They listened to the people who read those comics, and they put stuff in there that matches the character. So I think that's what they're doing right. Kevin? Um, I think, I mean, if we're going back to like the, what I would consider the jumping point uh for this kind of new age of superhero movie, which was Iron Man, the first mm-hmm. Iron Man, it was just, it, it boils down to a good story. Um, you cannot have a movie. Um, and this, I, I haven't seen the fantastic four movie, but everything I've read uh, told me that it was a bad story. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you have a good story and, you have good writers and good directors working on it and you have, and you treat it seriously. I mean, these movies are being treated not as comic book movies of years past in the sense that they were dismissed as just kind of, as I've said in other uh, arenas, a cash grab, you know, that the fans will go see it no matter what. That's not true. If it's, you treat it seriously, treat it like you would treat any movie as a quality product and, and the people will come. I mean, Deadpool is a, a perfect ex- example of how a studio who initially was completely against Deadpool and until the, until the test footage leaked, uh, thank you, Ryan Reynolds for leaking that footage. Um, it, it wasn't until that, that the studio actually realized that there was major interest for it. And, and Ryan Reynolds pushed to have, get that R rating and to get as, uh, get that character in the movie as close to the comics as possible. And I think we're in a, a, a an era right now where 
where we are treating these superhero movies more seriously as almost as real characters, as real people, you know, I think that happened with uh, the Christopher Nolan Batman movies where they were, got darker and grittier and, and all that. And I, I think what is happening is, is phenomenal because, because story is paramount in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't have the story, if the plot doesn't work, I'm not saying that all superhero movies have excellent plots. I'm just saying that they Marvel studios in particular has been doing very, very well. And they're on a run that I, I haven't seen any studio do in quite some time. Right. For me, I think one of the big things that they're getting right is I, I like the fact that they're diversifying the movies. Every movie's not just another action movie. If it's supposed to be an action movie like Iron Man or Captain America, then it's an action movie. But there's a lot of fantasy in the Thor movies. Gal- Guardians of the Galaxy and Ant-Man were a lot more comedic. in, And they're they're hitting the tones correctly for the characters that they're portraying, which makes it just so more, so much more epic when they come together, because then, like, I can't wait to see Ant-Man in the Captain America movie, and I cannot wait to see how this all ties together when you put the Avengers together with the Guardians of the Galaxy. Just the chemistry, the the potential for chemistry between the the groups is so big that it's it's exciting, and it's different, and it's not like every single movie is just a carbon copy of the previous one. And, and the thing that I like with Marvel is the fact that they do have a whole universe and that mm-hmm. the TV show, TV shows are part of the movie and are referenced. I, I think that's one thing, I think it's a big mistake that DC is making where they're not incorporating what's on the TV with what's going to be in the theaters. Right. Specifically since they're going to have a, a cinematic flash and a TV flash. I don't think that's right. No, and that that kind of brings us to, I guess, the next part. What have they been not doing right up until now? Well, gee, let's talk about DC. <laughs> well, or I think I think that's what I just referenced, and also like we ref- we talked about earlier, where give Black Widow a flippin' movie for herself. Mm-hmm. I want to see that. In talking about a different genre, make it a spy thriller. Make her a female James Bond who's not as big of a slut. Because James Bond is a slut. Um, yes, he is. But do that. I, I would see that. I, lots of people would see that. That would be a fascinating movie. Why aren't they doing that? Why aren't they giving her a movie? That is what I think they're doing wrong. I'm I'm on board with that. Um, yeah, I think that would be a phenomenal movie. And and the it again, as you said, it's a genre that's not been played out in this universe yet, and and would be so compelling. I I've seen. Uh, I've read a couple of the Avengers uh, comics from maybe a year or so ago, and um, she's actually hilarious as, when she's doing her spy stuff. You know, they're they're all right. You know, the Avengers are going to go in, and they're going to you know, it's just a recon mission. We're just getting information, and she's actually kind of disappointed because she feels like her talents can go so many other directions <laughs> than just reconnaissance at this point. And her scene, in the, I think, it was the first Avengers where they they get the phone call, and it's for you, where she's supposed to be about to be tortured. Uh-huh. That's one of the best scenes in the whole movie. It is. That's an awesome scene, yeah. Uh, but the the thing about if I could uh, go on to the DC thing, the thing I I have to reiterate and agree with what Kelly said about 
the integration between the movies and the TV. It doesn't seem like DC is, it doesn't seem like they have a master plan like Marvel does. It seems like their master plan is playing catch up. Mm-hmm. And while, you know, Marvel has uh, Avengers and they are, you know, Avenge, both of those movies did phenomenally well, the Avengers movies. We all know that DC is working toward a Justice League movie, but quite frankly, I, everything hinges on this next Batman versus Superman movie and how how well it's done and how popular it is. Because if this movie doesn't work and if this movie stumbles, then DC is in a really, really difficult position um, in order to, I mean, if they are planning on doing more movies uh, within their universe, I really do hope they get a, a really good movie out of Batman versus Superman. But, you know, they're backed up against the wall right now um, because they have so many. I mean, they ha- they've, they've stumbled. I mean, Green Lantern. Do I have to go any further than that? <laughs> no, no, let's let's not. <laughs> and the problem is, with DC is they let themselves fall behind because they have a huge yeah. advantage over Marvel and they own all of their characters. Yeah. The mm-hmm. only reason Avengers got made like they did is because they didn't own Spider-Man. If they owned Spider-Man, they would have, Marvel would have done a Spider-Man movie. Right. And so right. DC's had these properties, and they've let them flourish. I mean, not flourish, diminish. Stagnate. Yeah. They've been ne- mm-hmm. neglecting them. Yeah. Well, and I definitely agree that, that this um, Batman versus Superman is going to be the big, the big kind of linchpin. I feel like they have one last chance with their Wonder Woman movie. Yes. If they don't make, if they don't make a good Wonder Woman movie... I think they're going to be dead in the water. I agree. And the fact that they didn't do anything with that character. I mean, the only thing that's cinematic or TV-wise with that character was a TV series done in the 70s, which was a fun, goofy TV show. I mean, I watched it when I was little. But they should have had this back a long time ago. Okay, Kelly, you're a huge DC fan, yes. yeah? What What is the problem with Wonder Woman? Why is she so hard for them to come up with a a good focus for? I, well, first of all, if you know anything about the history of Wonder Woman, <laughs> it's kind of like the whole, the, her creator's story and stuff is a little edgy to begin with. I think that's been something that feeds into it. It's hard to be wholesome when your whole shtick is bondage, mm-hmm. you know? And also, I think it's hard to overcome the the thought pot pattern that boys only want that this is a boys market and boys only want to see men be strong and no one wants to see a woman beat the heck out of a guy. And I think that's been a lot of it. And so they don't know how to handle her and how to handle putting that, putting this woman into these positions. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can sort of, I guess maybe understand the, the bondage thing, but the, I mean, Again, Marvel and Agent Carter. But her costume, if you're going to go with the traditional costume, which I think a lot of them should, I think that's part of the things that were missed out on early X-Men was putting them in the black leather. But her, mm-hmm. her original costume is a strapless bathing suit that looks like the American flag. That's not tough. <laughs> no. And I'm sorry, if you're going to fight with her one little tug and then she's half naked. You know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. So there's, there's some things that were part of the character that, that were off that I think are tough to overcome. 
It's going to be interesting okay, with the movie, fair. since they're going to start her off in World War One time period. I think that's going to be different and interesting. In my head, she's more of a World War II type character. I think they would have been better off doing something, you know, I'm saying this, not seeing the script or the movie, but I think they would have been better off doing something with her that was almost Captain American-ish. Mm-hmm. The first one, more mm-hmm. of a 40s war movie, and then going on. But I, from, from the... Uh, pictures that are coming out from that that's not what they're doing uh, and then that's unfortunate yeah very good well we do i think kevin did you see deadpool uh yes i did okay and we we all enjoyed deadpool yes two enthusiastic thumbs up for me <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things we were talking about when we were scheduling this episode is um something that is is being referred to as the Deadpool effect. And that's kind of the idea that because Deadpool was so successful and had an R rating, that obviously the takeaway from this is that all superhero movies should have an R rating. And I say that saying that Marvel has said that they have no interest in... in uh, they have no plans in the future to specifically give their movies an R rating. But... Uh, Batman versus Superman is now going to have a R-rated cut, and um, Wolverine is going to be going R-rating. And I personally think that they missed the point, and that it has nothing to do with the fact that it's an R-rating, but it is a rating that is appropriate for the material that's being discussed. What do you guys think about that? I agree. I think making it R-rated by throwing in an F-bomb and a little bit of blood splatter just to get that rating it is going to be a mistake. It has to fit with the story. With uh, Deadpool, I think it totally was appropriate for the story. And honestly, for Batman, he's so dark. I think it, is, it could fit for, his, for him as well if they do it correctly. Like I said, mm-hmm. if they just have if they just have Ben Affleck saying the F word three times just to get it, that's not going to be make it worth my while. I yeah, the only the only character that I think you know regarding Batman versus Superman and the the R rated edit that is being talked about, I don't mind that, but the whole idea of announcing that after Deadpool makes what. 300 million or however much it made. Um, and it was a, what the biggest uh, R rated uh, movie of all time in terms of box office. Every, and DC makes this announcement after that fact, it, it definitely feels like, you know, you're reacting to uh, a marketplace as opposed to creating a, a good movie. And I don't know if necessarily the Batman versus Superman movie needs to be rated R. I don't mm-hmm. I think see the, the that's why the way Marvel has treated this whole R-rated thing is perfect because if you keep a movie PG-13, you invite a larger audience. You're automatically not guaranteed cuz a movie could stink. But for a Marvel movie to be rated R, I'm trying to think of another character that could uh, follow that. And I'm thinking Cable, but he's supposedly Mm -hmm. supposed to be in the next Deadpool movie. I mean, there are other Marvel characters that could be rated R, but I totally agree with you, Joe. It's like that's missing the point. The, The whole idea of Deadpool 
being rated R is that's part of his character. And the fans would have, I think, I, I'm exaggerating, but they would have rioted if it was PG-13. I, I right. Netflix, so I haven't seen this, so I know. Horrible. But Jessica Jones and Daredevil, I know they're not movies, they're on, but are they, do they have R-rated material in them? Jessica Jones I have, is definitely R-rated. Oh yeah, so is so is Daredevil with with the um, I'll just make reference with the Fisk and the car door scene. Um, I think that definitely goes into our our territory. So so then Marvel is going into our territory because Marvel wasn't Deadpool, right? That was 20th Century Fox, wasn't it? Correct. Right. Yeah, wasn't right. Marvel Studios. So, so the Marvel Studios, where they're going and doing their hardcore R stuff, then would be in the Netflix and the television realm, not the. Uh, cinematic, which would make sense because you're right. PG-13 movies make more money than R-rated movies, okay. which is why Batman versus Superman in the theater is not going to be an R-rated movie. It's right. going to be a director's cut or something on the DVD. Well, and and that's the thing. It's like I I can kind of maybe see a Wolverine movie with an R rating. I I, get I could that. too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it it it's a, it's it's telling you the direction they're going which is going to be it's going to be much more um slash action than than kind of adventure story. I I'm, I'm okay with that. If they turn Punisher into a movie, absolutely make that R-rated because sure. there's really nothing nothing PG-13 about the Punisher. Uh, and I think that the fact that they've made the the whole Daredevil Jessica Jones thing go you know, push the limits in that direction. I think they're they're not doing it because it's gratuitous. They're doing it because it's part of the character. It's part of the story. I don't know where you would need rated R for Batman versus Superman, even if it's just in a director's cut. It's like Superman is uh, like right up there with Captain America in in its wholesomeness. It's like how do you turn that rated R? I, it's going to be the violence. It really is. I, I'm betting that they made that. Because I think with a lot of these movies, they make them much more violent, and then they start cutting stuff out in order to get the PG-13. And I'm betting that's what happened with this. Because I can't imagine, it's not going to be sex. No. No. You know. And, like I said, I doubt they're going to be dropping F-bombs. It just, for, well, you can't, Superman's never going to say that anyway. (laughs) And I don't even think Batman, I don't remember in a comic with Batman saying it. No, I mean, bat, I mean, yes, you could do a very rated R Batman. I, I could see that, and I feel like Squadron, um, not Squadron Supreme, um, Suicide Squad. I'm pr- pretty sure that's slated to be rated R, right? Yeah, and that would be appropriate. Absolutely. Like, I can't imagine you not doing something with with Harlequin and um, and the Joker in it as PG thirteen, and I, I think it, it totally works for what they're trying to do, but. That that's it's not just gratuitous. Right. It's yeah. But it has to, and uh, I'm not a big violent fan. I you know, but it has to fit this. If it fits the story and moves the story forward, then I'm fine with it. If it's just like mm-hmm. you said, gratuitous for to to get that rating, then then you're gonna lose me. And and I think I'm pretty typical of most moviegoers. You're gonna lose the moviegoers too. That being said, I am so excited about Batman versus Superman. <laughs> I cannot even tell you how much I want to see this movie. Well, and that's a good a good transition into kind of what's coming up and what we're looking forward to, uh, what we think is going to be successful or or not successful. And I'm not a huge DC fan. 
Um, I always say Marvel and Batman. And so I'm I'm going kind of going into this movie with low expectations, but I tend to try and go into movies with low expectations because if I go in with high expectations, I tend to disappoint myself. <laughs> and I don't always know it's the movie's fault. I think sometimes it's just I overhype it in my mind. But this one, I'm kind of this one, I'm very much going in with a critical eye, going, "All right, DC, what do you have for us?" I think I'm doing the same. I'm I'm definitely going to see it, but. I'm wary, kind of in the same way as like we all got, well, most of us got burned by uh, Star Wars Episode One. We had mm-hmm. so much enthusiasm for that movie, and you know, on many levels, it was such a disappointment. Uh, it's like I don't want to, I don't want to put all my cards on the table with uh, Batman versus Superman. I want it to be good. I want it to be the movie. It could be, but I wanted that for Man of Steel. And in some ways, Man of Steel, you know, kind of satiated what I wanted out of a, a, a Superman movie. But in other ways, it didn't. And uh, it was a little darker than I, I expected from a Superman movie. And I think they're kind of maintaining the darkness. Although I, the fact that they're having Batman in this one, the darkness makes more sense to me. And also mm-hmm. the fact that they're kind of touching upon the Frank Miller, uh, the Dark Knight Returns series is what I'm really most excited about um, because I love that comic series. And, okay, so for me, I'm DC, first of all. Second of all, I have loved the character of Batman since I was little tiny watching repeats of Adam West and Burt Ward. <laughs> I, when uh, the uh, Tim Burton movies came out, I became obsessed with Batman. That's when I started reading the comic books. I bought short stories. I would get my hands on anything. You guys can't see this right now, but she's actually wearing a Batman t-shirt right now. Yeah, yeah. Nice. I am all about the Batman. So I, I'm looking forward to this movie. I've loved Ben Affleck since I saw Chasing Amy. So I'm not worried. All these people are so worried about him. I'm not worried about him. I, I, you know, they cite Daredevil. I just think Daredevil was a bad movie. I don't think it was him that made it bad. Well, and I've also heard that the director cut of Daredevil, I haven't seen it, but I've heard the director's cut of Daredevil is a much better movie. And I think you know, with movie making, which I know nothing about, so this is just me talking off the top of my head, but a lot of it comes down to editing and the background pushing you know, so pushing it in one way or another and trying to force it to be something it's not. Mm-hmm. If they let this be something for the fans and be true to the characters, I think it's going to be excellent. If someone gets in there and the too many of the execs start pushing in and trying to edit the way that they think will market better, then it's going to be a crap fest. Yeah. Well, and I think also a lot of people who, who hate on Ben Affleck, I, I will be the first to, to say that he had a time there where he was not making good film choices and he was not doing I, – I feel like he was kind of overshadowed by um, – uh, what's his name? His friend Matt Damon. Matt D- Matt Damon. Yeah, I feel like he was just kind of overshadowed, and I think he was trying to to separate himself from that, and and it just did not go well. And I think if you like watched Argo, oh, so like good. he is very much matured as an actor, mm-hmm. and he has, I I think he stopped caring what other people thought, 
and is just doing his job. And I think that that makes a big difference. I think he needed to kind of get to a point where he didn't worry about being popular because he wasn't going to be and and just started making movies that he was interested in. And and I think I think we've seen a little bit deeper Ben Affleck actor than we did when he did Daredevil. And, and I think, yeah, I think he's, when he does stuff that he cares about, like I believe Argo, since he directed and everything, was something he was passionate about. He's a Batman fan. Yeah. You know, he built a, like, pseudo Batcave in his house, which he then sold to Kevin Smith. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you have a fan, then you've got someone who's pushing to, for the best interest of the character. And that's what you've got to do. Yeah, a lot of people have been worried about uh, Ben Affleck playing Batman, and I, I personally have never had a an issue with that. I, I, I think he's going to be capable. I think he's going to do a good job, and I'm looking forward to seeing how he uh, treats this character. Because from what I understand, the character in this movie is going to be rather angry, and I like mm-hmm. I, I like that. Um, and because it's a little bit of a different Batman that, than we're seeing, and um, so I, I, but I never had the what the internet when the internet found out about Bat and Ben Affleck, I, I was like, I'm not aboard, I'm not on board with any of this criticism. I like Ben Affleck, mm-hmm. I think he can do a good job, and uh, I know Henry Cavill does a a good Superman, a believable Superman, and. Really, it's all, it all will boil, boil down to story to me. You know, to me, it's mm-hmm. always about story. And um, editing can take a, 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 a editing can take a good story and make it great, but editing can't make a bad story good, right. no matter what you do. But it can also make a good story and make it bad. Yes, you can ruin you yes. can ruin a, a good story, a great story with bad editing, bad acting, bad you know art direction, whatever. That's why it that's why it's a truly collaborative medium. The the whole idea of I, I that my problem is is the uh, is script writing by committee. That's yes. my biggest problem. Which is why I've, I I kind of feel that I mean I I can't say anything about how uh green lantern failed but i know one of the main reasons why i felt it failed is they had one too many villains mm-hmm. uh they should have focused on one villain and that's it but it seemed like it, it that seemed to be an example of the script by committee more than anything else where you know everybody was just like throwing stuff in and thinking it'll work and it didn't gel it was not one cohesive story which is why you look at a story like the first avengers movie and it just it was smooth you know it it worked Mm -hmm. and there were so many elements to that that just clicked and uh so i'm really hoping that this uh, batman superman movie does click and and hit all its marks and uh, and pleases the geek in me like I was when I was, you know, six years old reading a Batman comic. That's what I want to feel like when I watch this. Absolutely. Um, moving on, um, this this 
couldn't have been timed any better because this week, and I don't know if you guys have seen it yet, but they did uh, release another Captain America Civil War trailer. I saw parts of it. I know what happened. I know that the last thing that happened that it blew everyone's mind. I have not. Oh, have, so many. Feels. I have not seen it. Spider-Man. Have you heard about oh, it? Though? He does. Oh wow, Spider Man's in it. Oh God, yes. Wow. I got. I got to see it, that. Yeah, it is one of those like. One of, one of my kids came in and said, Mr. Hogan, did you see the trailer? I'm like, yes, I've seen the trailer. Can we watch the trailer? I said, no, because I will be useless for the rest of the day. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that was very exciting. And I think that, um, you know, I, it, it made me even more excited for Civil War because I don't know if you saw previous trailers, but before I was kind of like, I don't get it. It seems like it's very much about Bucky. Yeah. And not so much about what the original Civil War was, which is kind of the responsibility of, of, powered individuals and this one brought it a lot more into no it's 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 more about that moral debate about whether they should register or not and it it brings it a little bit more to it makes a little bit more sense because i can't see captain america fighting iron man over just bucky you know there's ways to negotiate around that but now this this trailer seemed to introduce a a wider scope for the issue that makes the the controversy kind of more realistic to the comic books that yeah so. i mean I, I i must admit i haven't read the uh the civil war comic book but i do i do know the the premise behind the story and uh i i think and because i know the premise the previous trailer made sense to me even though i think if you didn't know the story it might not have made as much sense but mm-hmm. uh and it might not have made as much sense to see Tony Stark and uh, and uh, and Steve Rogers like fighting each other. And, you know, that one line where Tony Stark says uh, something to the effect that uh, I was your friend, too, mm-hmm. um, you know, without the without the reference. That's why that's why having more than one trailer gives people a little bit of uh, a, a larger uh view of what the story is all about but i'm really really looking forward to that one uh, mostly because the previous captain america movie the winter soldier wow that blew me away yeah. uh that's one of those movies where i if i see it i'll just i mean there everybody has movies where if they watch it on tv and it comes on no matter what part that the movie is on i'll just watch it because that mm-hmm. that was so much more than just what people thought a superhero movie could be. That was like a political thriller. Yeah. And and I and I like the 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 direction that Civil War is going in because it's it's kind of like it, it it touches upon as you were saying, Joe, the the power and what you do with that power and how it relates to the regulation of that power and who wants to be regulated and who doesn't. Um, Mm -hmm. And the moral implications of either decision. It's a very interesting story. Well, and now (laughs) the way things are today with everything, everyone taking sides, Mm -hmm. the real world, how much more appropriate timing wise could this movie be? It's so true. It's so absolutely true. There's times that I turn on the TV and I'm just embarrassed. <laughs> I'm just embarrassed. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, 
lately I haven't been watching TV, so I'm I've been missing a lot, or maybe not. No, not missing, not missing anything anything. <laughs> at all. <laughs> but, but the thing that uh, I was watching was just kind of watching the Daily Show. And if you Google, if you put into Google, move to, it autofills Canada for you. Does that tell you anything about the world right now? <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. 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 Well, moving on, May is going to be a crazy, crazy month because we also get X-Men Apocalypse. Have you guys been following the X-Men franchise? I have. Yeah, I have. I don't know. I saw the previews for this one, and I'm like, eh. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not really excited about this one. I I have been following the X Men and I love it and I like what where this is going. Um, I, I must admit though, I I I think the I think the the one trailer that showed um, uh, Professor X in the wheelchair, bald. I think it was that was supposed to be some kind of giant reveal, and I thought, eh, okay, so now James McAvoy is. Patrick Stewart or whatever, mm-hmm. but, and it didn't, uh, it didn't affect me as much. I'm more interested in, I, I mean, I keep on repeating this to me. It's all about the story. And I love the, I love massive, I love massive stories. I wanted to get back to uh Marvel uh, age of Ultron. I wanted that to be a little bit more massive than it was. It ended up, being, mm-hmm. you know, this this conspiracy to destroy a town in Europe. And, you know, I wanted it to be more global. But it was global. Right. Yeah. And I, I and what and, some people actually argue that that wouldn't have created such an event. It was, you know, but that's that's another argument. The whole to me, I want I want to see. I want to see this cast of characters in the X-Men uh, really tested and mm-hmm. really, really backed up against the wall and forced to fight something that is beyond their capability. And I'm really looking forward to that because I, that's when you see, I think that's when where you see good drama is where you see a character who who they don't know how they can overcome the obstacle and 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 the apocalypse movie there is is a character that's going to be that insurmountable practically and I'm so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. <laughs> I am I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I hope that uh, I worry when they start adding too many characters. Like I have confidence that with the Avengers movie we're going to we're going to be focusing on a handful of characters and the others will fill in when needed. I'm I'm worried that there are so many characters they're bringing back. Um, uh, they're they're bringing in Storm. They're bringing in Angel. They're bringing in Psylocke. They're bringing in um, Jubilee. They're bringing in um, I think Scott and Jean again. Uh, you know they're bringing in so many characters and they still have Banshee's going to be in it. Beast is going to be in it. Uh, uh, Magneto and and Mystique are coming back. Like it's like there's so many characters, and I I worry that it's going to be either they're not going to do they're going to try and spread themselves too thin and not do any of them justice, or they're going to focus so specifically our one and two that these characters that are linchpins of the franchise are going to be just kind of background characters and i'm just not quite sure how they're going to navigate 
the two, you know, how the, how they're going to thread the the needle on this one. And the issue that I keep having with these X Men movies is they keep trying to make Mystique a good person. She's mm-hmm. a villain. Let her be a villain. Mm-hmm. Yes, Jennifer Lawrence. I love her. She's a great actress. She's a likable character. But let her character be a villain. Mm-hmm. And that, that but absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm kind of with you there. Yeah, I mean the I. I know what they were trying to do with her character and eh, I think it's because everybody likes Jennifer Lawrence that, uh, that I think they went in that direction, but. And to be purely shallow, James McAvoy looks better with hair. (laughs) (laughs) I thought he looked okay. I mean, I haven't seen the movie, but you know, he looked okay. I think it might well, be a bald as, cap, actually. Maybe maybe he didn't shave his head. I'm not sure. I actually think I saw pictures of them shaving. Oh, okay. So I think it was actually a, a legitimate, um, a legitimate, legitimate shave actual job. Actual head. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking on large ensembles, that's my biggest concern also for Suicide Squad, unless a lot of these characters are going to be red shirts. Yeah. And, see, now I'm a Harley fan. I hope that they do a lot with Harley, but I have a funny feeling they're going to really uh, Will Smith's playing is it Bullseye? Who's he playing? Um, Deadshot, right. I think they're because he's a big star so I think they're going to do more on him and I I love the character so much of Harley that I'm afraid they're going to downplay her since she's not as famous as as an actress. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know if uh, I'm assuming you saw the the preview. Yeah. Yeah. And and it is like I, I think she's gonna steal the show. I'm I'm worried that we're gonna she's gonna be the the shining light in an otherwise confusing movie. Well, and that's gonna be the problem they're gonna have is most people don't know who these characters are. Right. Well, yeah, but um, look at Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, a lot of that that was kind of a movie that came out of nowhere. I mean, I, I admit. I knew I, I knew the title Guardians of the Galaxy, but I'd never read a comic of Guardians of the Galaxy. So I went into seeing that movie somewhat, you know, green. And mm-hmm. but that that story just hit all marks. And and so if Suicide Squad hits its marks and it is as entertaining as as it looks like it might be, then you know. It's yeah. It doesn't matter that nobody knows. I mean, I think most geeks will know Harley Quinn and you know clearly the Joker and um, maybe to a lesser extent Deadshot. To me, it, I mean, I keep on repeating it. The story has to be there. But Guardians has, has had an easier thing. And first of all, had the Marvel name because that's the only reason why I went because Marvel's name was on there. Right. Mm-hmm. But it also it's a funny, shiny, happy movie. Right. I don't think Suicide Squad's going to be as fun. No. No, not at all. (laughs) So it's a lot easier to sell something that's going to be funny and, you know, has a soundtrack that's all the fun 70s songs as compared to Murder and Mayhem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's there may be a a tough sell for a certain segment of the audience, but, you know, I I, that's one movie that I am. I am wary of the number of people that are in it. I, I don't remember which uh, Marvel Studio movie. The I think it was a Marvel Studio movie. Maybe the next Avengers. 
the director said that they're going to have like 60 some odd characters in that movie. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I read that and I went, how do you possibly do all of those characters justice without it's like obligatory scene with this character. It's like one line from that character. It's almost like at the end of uh, age of Ultron, when we saw the quote unquote new Avengers with, you know, in what looked like a parking garage somewhere. I didn't, I didn't right. know where it was. <laughs> and it's like, okay, fine. We got a new Avengers, but you know, I, 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 I do have a worry about that. The more people that you introduce, the less you tend to care about any one person in particular. Well, it's also harder to do a cohesive story when you're trying to throw everything in just to make sure you check that mark. Yeah, it works in comic books a little bit more because you can, in you know, in one issue you can um, you could have one character take the back seat, and then two issues later they're the main focus. But for a two-hour some odd movie, you can't do that. You ha- you have a very tight window to get everybody in. And I'm, I'll say this, it, it was tough for Age of Ultron in that movie to get everybody in. I think they, mm-hmm. I think, you know, the Scarlet Witch and, uh, and Quicksilver, I thought the, I wanted them to be so much more into that movie than they were. And they weren't. They, they, they were just kind of side characters to me. And I, I was disappointed in that because I like those characters. Yeah, and I think the the only thing that let me feel okay with it is that I knew they were going to be moving forward because the Scarlet Witch is by far one of my absolute favorite characters in the Marvel universe. And um, you know, I agree they they didn't do much with her, but I'm moving forward. You see that she's going to be part of the team, and I think as some of the bigger characters start to move out. Um, there'll be a little bit more focus on her. And I think when they say something like, oh, we're going to bring in 60-some-odd characters, the fact of the matter is is it's by then we know a lot of them, and I'm guessing that it's going to be, here's your core group that we're going to follow, but we're going to have a really epic battle scene at the end where we teleport in all our backup. Yeah. And And I think if they do it that way and they kind of – because then – you know, then you've got a good story with this awesome climactic battle where if you do try and focus on all the individual players, you're you're going to dilute everything. And so I'm I'm hoping that that's the direction they're going to go, because everybody loves opening that splash page in the middle of a comic book oh. where, you know, the team teleports in and everybody just goes. Right. Out. And you just like that. You just sit there for like 10 minutes, just taking the whole thing in. It's so I, I definitely agree that that could be where everything's going and it might work um i mean and we've seen a little like touches of that in the avengers uh movies so far so uh so with the infinity war movies uh it might be a ramping up of that just as you were saying so i just hope they can uh i could i just hope they can do it and and not make me feel like they're uh, taking like my favorite character and just giving him one line and and that's it. So I don't know. I, I reserve judgment until I see the movie. So I, I look forward to all these movies. So it's you know it's I always have hope. I always have hope that they're gonna uh, do right by these characters. 
even DC, I really, I really do want Batman versus Superman to, to be a good movie and to succeed. Well, um, the, the last movie we have, and we'll just touch upon it cause we are, we are running very long, but that's okay because we're having fun. Um, is Dr. Strange. And we did mention it briefly, um, earlier, but you guys looking forward to this? Not much is out on it yet. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, when I went to D23, I was lucky enough to get in on the live movie panel. So this that was in July. So they hadn't started filming or anything, but they had a lot of the artwork, and it's going to be beautiful. I really think it's going to be a beautiful movie to watch, even if the story stinks. And I don't know anything about Doctor Strange, so uh, I'm kind of kind of like the Guardians of the Galaxy. It's got the Marvel name on it, so I'm going to go see it. Yeah, yeah. for me, I, Doctor Strange is just like Guardians of the Galaxy for me. I kn- I've known of Doctor Strange. I've read comics where he makes an appearance, but I, I've never really known, I've never really been a Doctor Strange fan um, in the sense that I could knowingly tell you much about his backstory or anything like that. So I, I'm going into this movie kind of pretty much like Guardians of the Galaxy, very green, very um, uh, optimistic because I love mm-hmm. Benedict Cumberbatch and I I, I think it's uh, it's going to be very interesting. And I love Tilda Swinton uh, too. She's She's amazing. And just the lineup they have, for this movie is, uh, is, is awesome. I mean, just top notch talent. And, um, so it's, it's, it's not coming out until November, but it's, you know, it's definitely one of my must see lists. Um, Joe, do you know about the, the, is Dr. Strange one of a character that you know very well or, He's not. In fact, I kind of fall into the same boat you guys do is I've seen him in other comic books, but I've never really followed Doctor Strange on his own. But kind of like I said earlier with the the tone of the different movies, I think this is an opportunity to introduce yet another kind of style of movie. You know, it's like fantasy with Thor or comedy with Guardians of the Galaxy and Ant-Man. I think this is, you know, you can go kind of the horror bent. You can kind of go more um urban fantasy it's just it's got a different it's got a different style to it and so i i i think it's again that adding another piece to this larger puzzle that's just completely different but yet can be seamlessly integrated into the bigger whole and so i i'm i'm excited about it because i don't know much about it and my understanding is that now you watch Agent carter right mm-hmm. that whole thing with the black matter if a black matter or dark mm-hmm. matter, uh, that I guess is going to be a big part of the movie of the Doctor Strange movie. Oh, okay. Because uh, I keep talking about Kevin Smith. I listen to too many of his podcasts, but what he was saying is they were talking about Agent Carter, and he said to look for that because that's a big part of his world, of Doctor Strange's world. That's very cool, I, and I loved this season of Agent Carter. Oh, I thought it was nice. Our first female. Supervillain. Yeah, that was she was that was so cool and that power that was scary. Mm-hmm. And you know I hate to be a shipper, but I really want Agent Carter to be with the guy whose name I can't think of, who has the who uh, who's the head of the of the the office in Los Angeles. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, they make just they they do make a very good pair. And I loved him. He was on Dollhouse. Did you ever see Dollhouse? I didn't. I didn't. Because he was on there too. That's actually a really good show uh, to go back. If you go back and see it, it's a really interesting concept. Do you know what the concept of is? I I remember it when it came out, but I think by the time I had heard about it, they were already talking about it, not making it, so I didn't invest. Because it's these people who they implant personalities in, and then they send out into like really rich people wants a certain personality, and this person they basically rent this person for a certain length of time to do different things with. Oh wow, that's disturbing on many levels. Yeah, but disturbing and odd, and you know it's. You know, the Liza, was it Liza Dushku who stars in it. and mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's an interesting premise. It's a good story. That's cool. I may, may go back and check it out. That's awesome. Well, thank you guys for, for talking superheroes with me. It's been a while since I got a chance to do that, and uh, I was excited when that was on your list of interests. <laughs> we were trying to figure out a topic for today. Yeah, it was fun. Absolutely. Uh, do you guys have any shout-outs for, for people out there? Let them know you're thinking about them. Katie and Mandy, hi guys. Yeah, hi guys. We're doing another podcast. You aren't. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were going to have to get them on at some point. It's just a matter of I, I I was talking to Mandy on on Twitter, and I was like, all right, I've got uh, Kevin and Kelly, and then I'll get you and Katie because I can't imagine having like the entire WEC podcast. It would be a four hour podcast. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Talking over each other. No, we don't talk over each other. We're we're pretty good about letting everybody talk. So, but definitely, well, definitely. You, you guys are, I'm sorry. Definitely, hi to those two, and uh, and can't wait for the next time we get together. Yeah. Are Are we allowed to talk about the next time that we will be getting together? So. Sure. Why, why not? not? Yeah, because uh, we'll we'll make the announcement now. Um, uh, next weekend. I probably will not be recording a podcast of Geektitude because it is my um, – we go to a, a theater festival every year with my, my drama students. And so that's taking up all of my Saturday. And my Sunday, I am going to be spending time with uh, Kenny of Dumbbells and Dragons and um, the entire cast of the WEC podcast. And we are going to be podcasting together Yay. live in one room, which is very, very exciting. Six podcasters in the same room. That's going to be that's going to be awesome. Too much it's, awesomeness it's like, for one podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, you talk about extreme sports. This is extreme podcast. Extreme podcast. <laughs> it's going to be interesting how we uh, how we do this. I mean, I myself and Mandy, we've uh, we've already met Kenny, so uh, and he's a great guy, and uh, and so we we haven't met you, uh, Joe, in person, but we're looking forward to that definitely. Yeah, I'm very I'm very excited to get to meet everybody too, because I have yet to meet in person uh, uh, Kenny, but we've got we've got a nice little community here going, and and hopefully we'll just keep expanding and uh, and connecting with more and more fun people. Absolutely, it's 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 been great to have uh, you and Kenny as uh, our uh, a part of our community. It's been very fun, and uh, and and we hope it continues for uh, some time to come. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I do want to give a shout out real quick to my friend Rob, who um, has been catching up on my podcasts because he didn't realize it was on iTunes. And now that he does, he's listened to all of them. <laughs> and uh, and he's been giving me some really good feedback. He's been a, a very good friend of mine for a very, very long time. And I very much value his his um, opinions and his uh, points of view. So um, I'm excited every time I get a tweet going, do you 
did you ever consider this and think about this for your next show? It's 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 such a, a fun. It feels like when we've collaborated on projects in the past, it, it's nice to feel that coming back. So keep keep the comments coming. Uh, you guys have anything coming up next week other than our, our big uh, meetup next Sunday? Uh, well, t- the only thing we have coming up is we have one other episode of WEC Whovians coming out on Wednesday and another coming, uh, a WEC podcast coming out on Friday. Which is going to be a WEC listens yes uh, all about podcasts so so you know two times every week that's the one thing i was going to mention is we didn't really talk too much about what uh Whovians. uh kelly and i do a specific show where we are reviewing every episode of doctor who starting at 2005 so if you've never listened to or if you never watched doctor who Start with the 2005 season uh, entitled Rose, the episode, and uh, and then listen to our podcast and uh, and you'll get a little supplementary. Uh. And if you haven't watched Doctor Who, yeah, the first couple episodes are really rough to get through. But once you get to the empty child, it gets really good. <laughs> yeah. So uh, but, you know, listen, you in fact, the way we do our episodes is so detailed. You probably don't even have to listen to or watch the episode itself because we get that we dive deep into each one of those episodes. So well, actually, Kevin dives deep. I have to throw out stupid comments. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to say, I, I, I have fallen behind on Wekhuvians just because I haven't been able to watch the episodes and I have on multiple occasions considered just listening to to your podcast until you start talking about the the quote unquote good ones um, <laughs> <laughs> so that I don't miss anything but I'm like no no I'm going to try and do this the right way so um I had a friend who just recently gave me um uh her copies and so I'm going to see if I can start with I've gotten 1 through 3 I've seen so I got through those podcasts I need to start from 4 and catch up which I think I can do pretty quickly as long as I don't wait too much longer. <laughs> yeah, and the fact that it's no longer on Netflix or Hulu, it's been kind of difficult for us. Kind of starting this podcast and now there's no like legal streaming of Doctor Who anywhere. It's it's a bit difficult, but you know we'll uh, we'll persevere until somebody uh, starts streaming it. So so, but there are options. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Which we won't mention here. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> All right. All the music in this episode is by Ben Sound and is being used under a Creative Commons license. You can find more music by Ben Sound at bensound.com. You can curr- currently find us at geektitude.com as well as iTunes and Stitcher as well as other podcatchers around the world. Please leave us a review and spread the word. Tell everybody about us and the WEC podcast. Uh, if you would like to contact me, you can send me an email at joehogan at geektitude.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Geektitude or me personally at Epic Grays. How about you two? Where can we find you and all your stuff? Uh, our email is weckpodcast. That's W-E-K-K podcast at gmail.com. Our uh, website is on WordPress. Just go to your favorite uh, Google or uh, Bing or whatever search engine you want and type W-E-K-K podcast, and it'll try and direct you to weak podcasts, so (laughs) direct it to WEC, and you'll find us on Twitter at uh, at WEC podcast. We're also on Instagram. We're also on Tumblr all the usual medias, so uh, that's how you can find us. 
Very cool. And before we go, since we've talked about the WEC podcast, Kelly, will you please explain to our audience uh, what WEC means? So the origin of WEC is our friend Katie is the one that came up with the idea of doing a podcast. When she originally presented it to me, it was just going to be her and I. So I took, when we were creating a name, I took her initials and my initials and scrambled them. So that's where WEC came from. Then I did a Google search of WEC and it came up in Urban Dictionary as cool and native Canadian, (laughs) which just made me laugh so hard. So that's what WEC is. It's cool and native Canadian. Yeah, which I think is is perfect in both tone and concept (laughs) to describe your your podcast. Although to mention, none of you are Canadian. No, no. Southern California. Although I can recite the entire Canadian national anthem, if you like. I don't think you want to, but uh, I, I'm very much a fan of Canada. So. And I really like the new prime minister. He's really hot. <laughs> well, we may all be moving there uh, in, towards the end of the year. So. <laughs> very possible. Very possible. <laughs> all right. Thank you guys so much for uh, spending time with us today and uh, for all of you listening out there remember this week keep it geek